today on City Cash Chicago. With the economy being what it is for most of us, we all looking for ways to hold on to the money we do got. That's why the Sun-Times launched their new money desk this year to help Chicagoans stay on the lookout for them junk fees, sketchy utility offerings, and overall bad deals. So we're discussing key ways to protect your pockets in 2024. It's Monday, February 12th. I'm Jacoby Cochran, and this is what Chicago is talking about. Stephanie Zimmerman is the award-winning Sun-Times Consumer Affairs reporter. Stephanie, welcome to CityCast Chicago. Hey, thanks so much for having me. No, we appreciate you being here. I mean, this is uh, uh, especially crucial for all of us listening. And uh, right now I'm moving. I'm changing utility providers. I'm going through a lot of the things that are uh, involved in the conversation we're going to have today. But I want to start here. What are some of the the way the most prevalent ways Chicago consumers feel scammed? Because, I mean, inflation, so supply chain, it, it feels all the time like there are more and more reasons why we have less and less money. <laughs> yeah, there's always somebody coming after your money. Uh, well, we recently did a story about these alternative energy suppliers. These are the folks that often ring your doorbell. And when I see them coming, I just, you know, run and hide. I don't I don't want to sign up with them. But these are folks that come around selling alternative either electricity or, or natural gas plants. Sometimes they sound like they are a green energy company. And if you're environmentally focused, you might you know, want to hear that pitch. But it's important to note that these alternative energy suppliers are not uh, necessarily green companies. This all goes back to when Illinois deregulated their electricity and gas markets. Mm -hmm. And and people should know that there's two different components on your bills, right? There's the supply, which is the energy itself. And then there's the delivery. That's the infrastructure, like the pipes and the cables and the wires or whatever is bringing the electricity or natural gas into your home. So the government, you know, going back about two decades, they deregulated the supply portion of your bill. And the whole point was to get prices down by mm -hmm allowing increased competition and it and worked mean you actually. didn't have to just be with comet or people's gas which uh, uh, a lot of us still are with yes you got it that was exactly what it was meant to do so that it would give you other options besides just comet or people's gas for the supply portion of your bill and it did work in the beginning prices came down but unfortunately there's always some you know sleazy uh company that wants to take advantage of that and right right away when they deregulated these markets, and this is going back years, they were already getting consumer complaints. People were saying, oh, they gave me this low introductory rate. And then after a couple of months, it shot through the roof. And then when I tried to cancel, they wanted to charge me a couple hundred dollars just to get out of the contract. So there were all these problems. And some of that was actually addressed. The state legislature saw this and they changed the law in 2020 to make the cancellation fees go away. So at least we don't have to worry about that anymore. But there's still a lot of consumer complaints out there. People say, oh, this person rang my doorbell promising me lower prices. Or maybe I was like at a street festival and like they were yeah. giving away free, free gift cards or whatever, right, to sign up with this thing. And after that low introductory rate, sometimes the prices for gas or electricity go up like 
double. And then there's this whole other category of complaints, which is people who claim that they never even signed up for this. Mm. And it somehow mysteriously ended up on their bill. So there's been all kinds of complaints. And, and really the advice that I got out of reporting out that story was, first of all, right now, prices are such that you're better off sticking with ComEd or People's Gas, believe it or not. Their prices are going to be the most competitive right now. How does it feel to, to tell consumers that, though, when they also feel like, hey, isn't ComEd constantly in the news or been in the news for links to corruption? And aren't they constantly lobbying People's Gas and ComEd to, to the state to, to increase rates that I'm going to have to pay more for as a consumer? How, how does it feel to sort of negotiate that? Right. And and it is a weird position to be in, right, with these consumer advocates saying you should actually stay put. Well, the good news is, as far as the rate hikes, um, things have kind of switched a little bit more in favor of the consumer lately. Some of these organizations like Illinois Perg and the Citizens Utility Board, and I highly recommend Citizens Utility Board's website. They are awesome. They have tons of great information. But they have been... Um, pushing back against some of those rate hikes and they've had some success. The second piece of advice that I heard is read your bill. Make sure that you you notice where your supply is coming from. Because I interviewed one family that after their, their bills were high all winter and they kind of thought, well, maybe it's just because it's a winter. Mm. They finally looked at their bill in the springtime and they noticed that for like the past five or six months, one of these alternative energy suppliers was on there and was charging them twice as much. The Illinois Attorney General has also taken some action against some of these companies. And um, most recently, they just sued one called Residence Energy, which is an alternative electric provider. Mm -hmm. And one of the allegations, among many of like deceptive marketing allegations, one of the allegations was that people didn't even know they were signed up for it. Yeah. So, so it is a real issue. There are so many different bills that are connected to our housing between our, our rent, our utility. When we think about how much of our budget goes into housing, Chicago's shortage of affordable housing has been at the forefront, I mean, for decades. Um, and and you're, you're finding people not only finding it hard to move in, but if they do find a place, it, it's linked to so many fees that they... I mean, I know I end up feeling like I have to shell out because I, I'm I'm on a time crunch. I have to find something. I'm sort of up against it. Uh, recently, you wrote about Chicago renters ended up paying more for apartments than listed. Um, what did you and your colleagues find throughout your investigation? That was a story I did with Elvia Melagon from the Sun-Times and my colleague there. And we were looking at what um, housing advocates call junk fees. Mm -hmm. And people have heard a lot about junk fees recently. Um, the Biden administration is on a big effort against junk fees in all as aspects of our life. You know, when it's uh, whether it's like banking fees, like overdraft fees or um, when you're when you're uh, booking travel online and at the end, there's like a whole bunch of other fees you didn't expect or even buying a ticket to a concert and you think your ticket is going to be like X price and all of a sudden at the bottom, there's a huge fee. That's a huge percentage of it. I've so had fees that cost more <laughs> than the ticket. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's so annoying, especially if you're budgeting. With regard to apartments, there are what people call junk fees in rental housing. And so that's where you're shopping for an apartment and you're trying to compare. You're comparing the, uh, the apartment itself and, you know, whatever neighborhood you want to look live in. And you're also obviously comparing price. And then at the very end, you find out, oh, surprise, surprise, there's all these other fees, which can actually add 
a couple hundred dollars a month in some cases. And they obviously aren't called junk fees on on the rental site. So what type of what are the, the, the words people should be looking out for, Stephanie? Yeah, no, they don't call them dunk fees. They have other names for them. So um, a common one is an application or credit check fee. And we found those can range on the low end $30 all the way up to like a couple hundred dollars. Mm -hmm. Um, Another big one that a lot of people are annoyed with is a move in fee. That is um, just a non-refundable chunk of money that the landlord collects and he's never going to give it back. It's not a security deposit. You won't get this back. I was and like, a lot of this has been popping up in lieu of a security deposit, which is was supposed to be like held for you until you move, maybe even accruing interest. But the move-in fee is just like you said, you drop it in and you, you don't even, you, you, you shouldn't expect to get that back. Right. You're absolutely right. And we've seen move-in fees as high as six or $700. And you're right about the security deposit. In the old days, I mean, I remember when landlords, every landlord just wanted a security deposit, like a month or a month and a half rent. And then you had some hope of getting that back. And if you were somebody who didn't trash the apartment, you could look forward to getting that back at the end paid with interest. Under law, under the Chicago tenant ordinance, they have to pay it with interest. Landlords hate security deposits because they don't like having to deal with the hassle of holding it and getting the interest in a separate account. They also don't like the fact that some renters will just not pay their final month rent and say, just keep the security deposit, and then they trash the place. So what happens is you have to pay this move-in fee. It's six or maybe $700. You're never going to see that back. Another um, fee that we've seen is sometimes it's called like bundled services or it's like a it's it's some kind of extra fee and it's every month and that might be you know 40 50 dollars a month extra that could be for really silly things like um one of one of them said it included a repair hotline so that you could let the landlord know when something needed to be repaired well you're paying for basically getting this guy's cell phone number so you can mm-hmm. tell him that something's broken and by law he has to fix that anyway cuz the place has to be habitable under law like you they have to fix it so it's kind of a silly fee. Um, sometimes this bundled services fee will include like being able to get onto an online portal to pay your rent. Well, that's kind of silly, too, because don't they want you to pay your rent? Or I mean, it, it, it isn't just. It, yeah, it's, it's silly. But I'm also is this legal? Like yeah, making me pay an extra legal. fee. To, it is legal to just to, to tack on these fees. What all can be sort of boiled down into a fee? Right. I think, I mean, at this point, they can do whatever they want as far as a fee, as long as they tell you what it is. Like there's some apartments that also have a move out fee. We didn't even talk about that. That's like after you already paid them the move in fee, which they're just going to keep. Then when you move, you have to pay a move out fee. And that that's like if um, I saw one lease where if there's a light bulb that's burnt out, it's 15 bucks for one light bulb. Or if they feel that you didn't clean the kitchen properly, they'll charge you $150 an hour to have somebody else re-clean the kitchen. It's just crazy stuff like this. And there is starting to be some pushback against this because a lot of housing advocates say all of these fees adding up to you know $100, $200 extra a month for a renter, that can really cause instability for some people. So there is some pushback in some states, like for example, Minnesota just passed a law recently where all apartments that are advertised have to include 
all of the fees, the grand total every month, and it also has to be put on the first page of the lease. So nothing is going to surprise you. And you can also compare a lot easier when you're shopping because you're comparing apples to apples. Um, Connecticut also just passed a law that says um, there can't be any application fees. And also there's a limit on late fees uh, in Connecticut. And, and there is a proposed law in Congress that would do away with a lot of this. But honestly, I don't think it has a prayer of getting passed. But it would be nice. So many of us with rising prices, with the rise in junk fees, with uh, just the, how much the cost of living has gone up, it, it's really easy to feel that we are being scammed at every turn. Like when you go through your investigations and look into the numbers, obviously so much of this is about sort of finding out that maybe a company or institution is scamming people. But is this feeling being sort of uh, mirrored in the numbers? Like is the instances of people being scammed or, you know, kind of kind of hell raw? Are, are, is this showing up in the data? Yeah, well, I think, first of all, it's I kind of draw a distinction between being scammed and being ripped off. And that sounds okay. <laughs> like a silly distinction. But to me, a scam is like an outright fraudulent, illegal, you know, um, some kind of illegal scheme where somebody gets your money. A ripoff to me just is like, oh, well, that stinks. It's probably legal what they did, but it stinks that I have to pay it. So I kind of look at it that way. Um, I'm not sure that things are anything any worse than they ever were. I think these kinds of practices um, have always been out there. I think with regard to some of these junk fees, it was almost like a creep, like, you know, uh, a fee here, a fee there. One industry does it, another, you know, it's mm -hmm. like, and I think it's not until enough people finally get fed up that there's some pushback. And and right now, it seems like we're in a time of greater awareness of it. I mean, you hear people talking about junk fees, and at least you see some folks trying to address it, like, legislatively. I think in terms of the economy, I mean, the latest we're hearing is um, that things are getting better. I mean, it, it doesn't feel like it, but inflation has it's definitely way down, and unemployment is also way down. The problem is, I think, Folks who have been hurting for so long are not personally feeling that. And I think the other thing is with a lot of prices that we saw, like consumer prices for things that you buy at the grocery store or whatever, once they're up, they're not likely to come down. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of your new normal. A lot of people are starting to feel the benefit of wage increases, like um, minimum wage going up or whatever. Like some people have seen raises here and there that are beginning to make them feel a little bit more secure. But I think it just takes a really long time. And there still are a lot of people that don't feel it. You talked about consumer power being important to pushing back. If people feel like they're you know, being ripped off with these fees in regards to housing, where should they go, you know, to to complain about, you know, their their landlord or their their rental property? Yeah, I mean, it's tough because so many of these fees, like I said, they're not necessarily illegal. I mean, I think people should scream to their legislators and see if we could get laws in Illinois that protect consumers like they are doing in some of these other states. If a landlord is violating the landlord tenant ordinance, 
you can um, you have you know recourse under that, and people should check out websites like the Metropolitan Tenants Organization. That's a pretty good website that um, where they can find out more about their rights. So that would be more like I'm paying rent every month, but you know this guy hasn't fixed the heat or hasn't you know I have an inoperable sink or whatever. Um, so it kind of depends what the person's problem is. We also though did us just in a more general sense for consumers. We also did a recent story that's been getting a lot of clicks, which is called how to complain and get your money mm-hmm. back. And that is, <laughs> there, is a, part- there is a step-by-step <laughs> way you suggest for people to, to so-called properly complain to a company or institution. Cause you know, I like to go to try it all route. So the first rule of how to complain is to keep your cool. Um, and to remember that the person that you're talking to is not the person who has made your life a living hell and try to be nice. Good point. <laughs> so that's the first one. Um, the second thing I tell people is to write out a narrative of everything that happened because it can be really hard to keep it all straight. So if you write it down and you're clear and concise, it doesn't have to be war and peace or some very long thing. Keep just to the facts, take the emotion out and just write it down and then maybe make a timeline if that would be useful. Get all of your receipts, get your photos if you have photos of damage of something or whatever it is. Get that all photographed, scanned, uploaded, ready to go so that when you complain, you have it all in one place. And then the next step is to, like you said, go to the company. Um, What you want to do is not just kind of complain and have it be really general. You want to give them your solution, your proposed solution. So the dishwasher broke and you need a new one or you need, you know, whatever. You need the delivery fees to be waived or whatever it is that you want and your timeline. So give them a deadline because it it's just easier when, when it's a concrete thing that somebody can act on. And then um, if they still aren't being good, then I think you need to call in the big guns. You can go to places like the Illinois Attorney General. You could go to the Better Business Bureau, which is a private nonprofit. And they kind of, some people are like, oh, the BBB, they don't do anything. I've actually seen them fix things. I mean, they will they will at least contact the business for you and attempt to get the business to do something about it. So it can be worth filing there. Also, the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau, that's um, the agency at the federal level for any kind of banking or finance problem or people that have a problem with Chime or one of these like um, fintech apps. Um, the Federal Trade Commission is another place to send uh, consumer complaints to. And then within Illinois, the ICC, that's the Illinois Commerce Commission, they're the ones to go to when you have a problem with one of these alternative energy resellers okay. and and also People's Gas, ComEd, and they also regulate towing companies. So if a towing company comes and gets you in Chicago, go to the ICC. The Department of Insurance is another good one. If somebody, you know, your car insurance isn't paying you out or somebody else hit you and their insurance isn't paying out. Um, and also then, of course, the Department of Public Health, if you had a problem with like a hospital or a healthcare place. And if you've written out that narrative, it's super simple. You're just clicking and then you're cutting and pasting your complaint to these places. And I, I'm a big advocate of complaining because I think not only will it help, <laughs> not only will it help you get your money back, but it will also help create a paper trail. So if there's a company out there that's doing like terrible things to consumers and being deceptive, and the attorney general's office, for example, finds out about it, they can make a case against that company and maybe help the next person. So I'm a big advocate of that. 
Um, another avenue that people have tried and, and it's worth doing is small claims court. And if it's something, if somebody ripped you off for $3,000 or less, you can file what's called a pro se claim in Cook County um, small claims court. And you can do this without a lawyer. And there are people that actually will help you because none of us are lawyers. So it, it can be confusing. And the judges are also nicer because they know that the people in pro se court are just like, it's like the people's court. It's like regular, regular folks. So um, those are all kind of my, my advice. And my last parting advice on consumer things is, um, always use a credit card if you can for online purchases because it gives you way more protection than using a debit card. Does it cost to reach out to any of these uh, organizations? Oh, no, it's totally free to file a complaint. And and they really do. Um, I've seen it. You know, I've seen these agencies actually take action like and sometimes all it really takes is a letter from Illinois Attorney General Kwame Raul on the letterhead going to the business saying, hey, business, we got this complaint. And and a lot of times that's all it takes because they that's enough pressure for them, you know, to to do the right thing. So it doesn't cost you any money. It does cost you a little bit of time. But if you stay organized, that's not even that hard. And you might achieve a couple things. You might get your money back. And then you will also like do uh, something really good for your karma, which is to help the next person. <laughs> Stephanie, in a world that's constantly telling us to just sort of swallow our complaints, thank you for the advice today, which is to complain uh, even more as consumers. Uh, Stephanie Zimmerman is an award-winning journalist with the Sun-Times Money Desk and is a consumer affairs reporter. Stephanie, thank you for stopping by CityCast today. Hey, thanks so much for having me. Before we let you go, now I know I plug the website every single day, chicago.citycast.fm. You came to karaoke storytellers. I told you I get a dime every time I say it. Again, that was a lie. I, w- I was tripping. I was just, I was jumped at jokey jokes. But it is dope. Like if you go to it right now, you'll get tabs like Chicago's Best, Neighborhood Guides, Food and Drinks. And there's a way for you to get this in your inbox every single morning by signing up for Hey Chicago, our daily newsletter. Before we let you go, some good news. The Lincoln Park and Garfield Park Conservatory Spring Flower Shows begin this Wednesday. Garfield Parks is called What's in a Name, and Lincoln Parks is Sweet Gnome Chicago. Seriously, this is one of my favorite things to do in the city. If you've been around for a while, I've been plugging this event for the last three years. I got some real good pictures from last year's shows. Maybe I'll drop them in the newsletter on the website. The only way for you to find out is subscribe to Hey Chicago Now by going to chicago.citycast.fm. And while you're there, maybe consider becoming a member of CityCast Chicago. You know, we got 700 plus episodes and newsletters. If you want to make sure we get another 700, go on, help us out. I'm going to be back bright and early tomorrow morning. I'll talk to you then. Peace. Somebody asked me the other day, where the bloopers been? Where the bloopers been? I was like, you know, I ain't even got, I ain't got no bloopers. I just been doing it. I just been buttoned up, you know, real profesh, profesh, just recording, saying, uh, you know, what I got to do, getting in, getting out, just, just trying to be smooth with it, you know?